so great to be with you guys again. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcome. Um, we, uh, I don't ever take for granted the opportunity uh, to speak on behalf of Pastor who's vacationing, Pastor Aaron and Day. Please continue to pray for them as they vacation, they get a little bit of rest. Don't be envious, just pray, all right? Uh, just pray, just pray. And uh, realize that pastors, man, I, I know I've been on all sides of the coin. I've been a youth pastor. I've been an evangelist. Uh, I've been traveling since 2004 full time. Um, and then uh, in 2011, God called us to plant a church in Milton, Pennsylvania. And my wife and, uh, and I have three wonderful uh, children. And they are actively involved in ministry as well. And God has done some great things, but pastoring is a hard job. So continue to pray for your pastors and continue to pray for your leadership team. Pastor Chris, thank you so much. Wonderful to meet your family and, and, uh, and all these things. And so I take, I take what, what, uh, this opportunity very much uh, as a, a very important thing. And to, to care for the body while your pastor is away is an honor of mine this morning. If you want to find out more about our ministry, uh, take a look at uh, the website or either one of the um, uh, social media uh, platforms that we have. Great ministry there. So without further ado, I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit this morning because uh, for the next two hours, what I really want to talk to you about, <laughs> uh, some of you are like, whoa, what just happened? Did he say to no, but honestly, like there's a, it doesn't take much when you turn on the television to see what is happening in our world today and how we have lost our way. We've lost our way as a, as a nation. We lost our way as to what right is and what wrong is. We no longer can define it. Uh, we can't even define a woman. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can't define in our world today. Uh, but I, I do know that that's, a lot of that is false. God has very much defined who we are and where we come from. And so the biggest problem we have to address right now is not a political problem because politics are merely a reflection of what is happening in the heart of man. Politics isn't itself a thing. Politics is a direct reflection of the man's heart. And so we, if we want to say it's a political thing, whatever, it's not. It's a heart issue. So let's deal with the heart issue because ever since the garden, we've had issues. Right? Some of you are like, yes, I know. I don't have a green thumb. I planted this tree. No, wrong garden. Wrong garden. Ever since the garden of Eden, we've had problems identifying who we are. And as a nation, as a people... As a person, each one of us have dealt with this, what I'm going to address this morning as I'm calling the orphan spirit since the beginning of time. So this morning's message is entitled, Casualties of an Orphan Spirit. What I want to kind of bring to the surface this morning is how we oftentimes have taken what is should be a given and understood and as our identity in Christ, who's with me so far? Our identity in Christ, who we are, has now been taken for granted and now has been an issue because what we have realized is that the orphan spirit has now affected generations and generations and generations. So allow me for a moment to kind of place into a picture and define briefly what an orphan spirit is. Because some of you are like, an orphan spirit, I don't get it. 
It's a sense of abandonment, loneliness, and isolation causing a loss of identity. I'll say it again. The orphan spirit is an abandonment, loneliness, and isolation that has caused a loss of identity. Now, this does, listen, this is not, uh, this does not affect one gender more than the other. It does not affect the younger more than the older, the older more than the younger. This affects everybody. So this is a blanket statement across the board that every man, woman, boy, and girl are facing this orphan spirit right in the face. And if you don't know how to battle it with scripture, if you don't know how to battle it in the spirit, you will lose this battle and not know who you are. But if you can gather and know who you are, you can fight this every day of your life. Because every one of us are going to face this at some point. Almost immediately after the fall in Eden, the fruit of the orphan spirit began to show its face when Cain killed Abel because his offering was unacceptable. Anger has transpired ever since then. You ever met somebody that's so angry and they don't even know why they're angry? Okay, let me personalize it. Have you ever been angry and you didn't know why you were angry. Raise your hand if that's the truth. Come on. The rest of you, you lie like a Persian rug. Like a Persian rug, you lie. <laughs> Across the board. There's not a thing. Listen, every, right? You ever been angry? You're like, I don't know why I'm angry. I'm just. <sighs> and you know what happens is something settles inside of you. And you don't know how to address it. Imagine walking your whole life this way. My friends, look at me. That is the orphan spirit. Not that that is the orphan spirit, but that is exactly how the orphan spirit lives every day. Angry, abandoned, lonely, isolated, away from everybody, away from everything. To make matters worse, now, what we're trying to do is, instead of identifying it, now we're re-identifying it. And we're trying to change what marriage is. And we're trying to change what identity is. And now biological, not biological, men and women are being directly affected by this. So let me say this like this. If you're, uh, if you're an orphan-spirited man, then you often have a hard time connecting with your spouse, connecting with your children, connecting with those in spiritual authority over you, and even your supervisor at work. You have a problem accepting authority, and you have a problem accepting love. That is an orphan-spirited man. Then you look at the orphan-spirited woman. Likewise, the woman, the orphan-spirited woman would often have lost their promise and value. Look at me for a moment. Thus allowing themselves to fall into the arms of men who don't understand the woman's worth or calling. And thereby walking in perversion. And only then will they find their validation by, by being in the arms of a man who cannot appreciate their value. That is the world we live in today. How do we tackle this as believers? How do we tackle this if you say, well, Pastor Tony, I don't, 
I don't pervert myself. I don't, I live good and I do things right. Guess what? You could do everything this Bible says and you could know it from the table of contents to the maps. You could know every bit of it and still not know who the father is. You still, you could know it up here, but it never translates to your life. So there are presently millions of people walking around our planet Earth that don't know who the Savior is. And they walk around with an orphan spirit, not, not being able to identify who they are, often because they can never identify whose they are. The orphan spirit, allow me to continue to kind of paint the picture because for some of you, maybe this phrase, uh, like it was for me when I began to look into this, is a kind of a, a different phrase. The orphan spirit is not really something normal, but it's, it's really something that has found its way into my spirit where I realize I have to address this, and I'll tell you why in just a few moments. But the orphan spirit is a false belief system, a system put in place by the enemy to make people not feel loved or accepted. If you got me, say yeah. Okay. Another one is it's also a false mindset that does not line up with the truth of Scripture. So it's not just a system that the enemy wants to put you through. In other words, a system is uh, something that happens every day that you process. You get up, you do the, everybody has a system. How many have a system when you wake up in the morning? You have a system, right? You kind of have a, this is what I do, 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 this is what I do. And every day you do that, almost that same thing for the most part, for the most part. Well, that's the way the enemy wants you to walk in that system, lie. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Right? When you believe a lie, you empower the lie. You give access like a key to your home, to your mind, to the liar. You say, have your way. Have you ever walked up to a complete stranger, given the keys to your house, telling your address, say, hey, whenever you need anything, just go ahead and get some. <laughs> no, you don't. That would be ridiculous, right? That would be ridiculous. And if you do that, God bless you. <laughs> You're more like Jesus than I would ever be. We wouldn't do that, but yet we give keys to our mind, our heart, our lives to people we never met. We are validated by their likes, even though we never met them and we never see them again. We give them keys. So the false system, the false mindset, and then that lie and deception from the enemy making us feel unaccepted. And, and I tell you what, God has already accepted you. Can I tell you that? Look at me for a moment. God has accepted you just as you are as messy and as beautiful as you are as beautifully messy as you are some more beautiful some more messy i'll let you decipher that if you've ever had a hard time believing that god can use you i want to encourage you you're in the right place because this is a heavy message because it's heavy in my heart and I hope you understand the depth of it. But I also want you to understand the joy and freedom in it. That you can be a son and daughter of the most high God. Not just realize, oh, I am hopeless. That confirms it. <laughs> Honey, let's go. <laughs> I realize I'm hopeless. No, that's not the goal. The goal here is to realize that when the scripture talks to us, it tells us and gives us life.
So, for instance, if you turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 4, last book of the Old Testament. Go ahead and turn there if you would. Some of you are like, where is that? Last book, Old Testament. It may look like the word Malachi if you're Italian. But if not, if you're, depending on what part of Pennsylvania, Malachi, chapter 4 may seem more appropriate. You think I'm kidding. I'm talking about accents. I said in the first service, I walked into, a, I was doing a youth convention in, uh, uh, in Tennessee uh, or somewhere in the south. I think it was Tennessee. And this girl walked up to me. She said, I really love your accent. I said, what? I thought I had, okay, I do have an accent, I think, but that was ridiculous. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. It's all right. I'll take note of who's laughing later. Um, <laughs> Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 says this, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and children to the hearts of their fathers. And I'm telling you what, there's something that says, uh, something that says truth there that we often forget. Now, I just want to focus on the first part of that because the second part of that also, um, you know, kind of gives that, that side of or else. And otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. Why would he strike the land with a curse? Because there's something about the the family unit needing to be together. And that's exactly what the enemy is trying to destroy. He said, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the son and the sons to the fathers. And so that's his goal, right? That's God's goal. Or else he'll strike the land with a curse. How important is it for us to get the first part right? To be restored and restore our families, our homes. And one of the signs that God was present is when families specifically are restored. And that's what God wants to do. How many realize God wants to do that in your home? So maybe you and your husband are going through some things. Okay, I get it. You and your children are going through some things you don't see. I, I, I get it. That's what makes you family. If you got everything going right, I wonder if you're even communicating. <laughs> right? If you're not arguing, you're not communicating. Anybody have a family like that? Don't raise your hand too quick. Don't raise your hand too quick. But you, you know what I'm talking about? That, that's part of family. But realize that tragically, by removing Jesus... The enemy wants to then, if he could just remove Jesus from your home, quietly, if he could just remove Jesus from your home, then he could slide a wedge between you and your spouse. And he could shh, quietly slide a wedge between you and your children. And before you know it, when the enemy attacks, the family's not around to protect itself. And that's the world we're living in today. See, we look back at the garden for just a moment and we look at what the enemy told Eve. What did he say to her? Surely you won't die. Speaking of the fruit, right? You remember that story? How many remember that? If you didn't get past that in the Bible, then we need to pray. It's the first book, people. First book. Right? So what does he tell Eve? He says, surely, surely you won't die. Surely. You know what he was saying? In essence, when he's saying this, he says, you can't trust your father, God. He's holding back from you. You misinterpreted what he said. Because we are quicker to second guess ourselves than we are anybody else. We'll take everybody else's lie 
And then ourselves will be like, oh, I don't even know what's truth anymore. So he caused her to second guess what the father told her. And that's exactly what he's doing today. Causing every single one of us to second guess what the word of God has strictly told us what is right and what is wrong. Surely you won't die. You know what he's saying? He doesn't trust you. No one trusts you. You've done too many things wrong. Remember that time you did this? Remember that time you did that? Remember that time you did this? You're not trustworthy. And we'll sit back and we'll go, you're right. Instead of saying, I didn't do right, but he already died for that on the cross. His blood covered all of that. His blood covered all of that. So this lie continues today. And when they, when they fell in the garden, God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? God was not trying through his global positioning system to find Adam. He didn't put an air tag on his back pocket. Getting closer. Adam, where are you? Marco. Like he's not trying to find Adam. What he really was saying was, where are you personally right now? Where are you with me? Do you know where you are? God knew where he is, but does, did Adam know where he was? Did you notice that he didn't ask Eve where she was? He asked Adam. You're responsible for your family, men. You're responsible for your family. And that orphan spirit started from the garden, not realizing that, that when Adam and Eve would have children, that Cain would later kill Abel because that their, his offering was unacceptable. And now that's when the orphan spirit was released on earth. The unaccepted, the feeling of rejection, but Jesus' perfect love came to wipe that away. Somebody say praise the Lord. An orphan spirit often influences people who have experienced extreme rejection in their life. People that have, ex have experienced rejection in life gravitate to the orphan spirit because that's all we know. I say all we know because I've been there. I'll share that in a moment, but... What I realized is that it creates separation, worry, anxiety, and fear. Did anybody ever experience that in your life? Hello, 2020. Right? It's, it's ironic that in 2020, when 2020 is often known as the perfect vision, we perfectly did not see that coming. But what I love about John, chapter 14, verse 18, if you want to write down a verse, this is the one to write down. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. That's what God was promising us. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. That's a spiritual condition in which even Christians have fallen under. And that doesn't mean you're not saved. Are you hearing me? That does not mean you're not saved. It just means you don't know where you're at. 
in the spectrum of God's blessing. You've lost your way. You've lost your position. You've left your post. And God is like, I have a place for you. And that perfect place has not been established if you don't know who you are. So watch this. I, I want to kind of unpack this for a few moments because we have to be able to say enough is enough. I want to break this in my home. I need to break this in my life. If this mental fortress is not corrected and torn down by the individual who is accepted, it will be passed on from generation to generation. So we must say enough is enough today. You can have all the theology right and not know the Father. You can have all your theology right and not know the Father. Starting from varying degrees of inaccuracy, men must journey individually with God. When I say men, I should say mankind. We have to journey individually with God, discovering who we are by discovering whose we are. We are his children, the sheep of his pasture. It's hard to know these things when you don't have a relationship with the Father. So if you allow me, I want to give you something very important here in the next few moments. It's near impossible to love what we do not trust. If your spouse continuously breaks trust, you could love them, but it's very difficult to love them like you could because trust is a very important part of love. If I can't trust you, it's very difficult for me to love you fully. There's always that hint of question. There's always that wondering. And the same thing applies with the father. That's why from the beginning, the enemy put a seed of, of mistrust and distrust in Eve's mind. Surely, he didn't say that, did he? You follow what I'm saying? If I can just put a little bit of doubt in you, if I can just put a little bit of doubt, then maybe you won't love the father as much and the enemy wins that one. But let me share with you 10 traits of an orphan spirit. And I think these are very important. And if, if, you, if you write fast, good. If not, take a picture of it, read it later, digest it because it's heavy, each one. 10 traits. You ready? Say yeah. yeah. Because I want you to be ready. Number one, title supremacy. Title supremacy. When your title gives you a name and you're recognized by what you do rather than who you are. You don't know me as this, that, and the other. You know me as this title and that. That's the only way I have my identity. That reigns supreme. Not that I'm a child of God. You know, when I stand before God one day, I'm not going to be pastor or anything or evangelist or anything. You know that, right? I'm not, it doesn't matter how many times I stood before people or not stood before people. That's not going to matter. You realize what he's going to stand before? When I stand before him, he's going to find out first, is my name in the book of life? And what did I do with Jesus? If my name's in the book of life, now he's going to judge my works. So I can get my reward in heaven. And so titles don't mean nothing. Reverend, doctor, LLC, PPC, whatever. It does not matter what letters you have before or after your name. Number two, unhealthy approval when being disliked paralyzes you. The desperate search for affirmation and approval even if it's sponsored by God and disguised by ministry. 
it's very easy to be so caught up in your own press, in your own idea and ministry, the title becomes everything. And if someone doesn't like you, it bends you and blows you up. I had to learn a long time ago that there are people that are just not going to like me just because I'm a pastor. Just because I'm an evangelist. I walked into churches for years, for seven straight years. I traveled across the nation. And I would walk into services like this church. And everyone look at me and go, is he going to be good? Is it worth coming this morning? Should I turn around? Pastor's not here. Come on, you thought it once at least. In your life. In your life once. Is he worth listening to three times? Okay, <laughs> But I went for seven years, my wife and I traveled full-time across the nation, and every single time I went, if I, if I waited for somebody to like me, I would never get ministry done. I just got to do what God called me to do and let God work out the details. Amen? Can I encourage you, if you're struggling with unhealthy approval, can I encourage you, let it go. As best as you can, as quickly as you can, let it go. If you wait for somebody to like you or approve of your calling, you'll never get what God wants you to do done. I'll leave it there. Number three, digital affirmation. Posting and publicizing for the aim of likes. Evidence by quick delete if someone doesn't affirm your, your particular post. You posted your new hairdo. Not enough people liked it. Delete. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, why you got to go there? Why you got to open up that can? Can you just leave it at somewhere else, please? But that's reality. I post something, please somebody like it. You don't do that, but you think it. I hope somebody likes my hair. I hope somebody likes my this or likes my that. And no, 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 nobody liked it? Okay, delete, quick. I don't want to be embarrassed. That digital affirmation, it's quietly tucked away, isn't it? And social media is, oh, boy, I tell you what, it is a bomb that goes off in the heart of men and women. If someone doesn't like me, what am I going to do? He liked you a lot. He loved you so much he died for you. That's the one we got to live for. That's the one we got to get approval from. I'll move through these a little more quicker. The, a fatherless believer. Living in fear for yourself and everyone. While being a Christian, you believe in God, but you do not believe in the Father God. You're okay with distant. Jesus is up there where the pastor speaks, and he gives me words of life, and I feel good about it, and I go on. But he's never your father. He's never the intimate one, the one that walks with you, talks with you. You're very good at Martha, but you can never be Mary. You could serve, but you never feel like you deserve. That right there is a big part of why we do what we do. If you can't sit at his feet, then there's a problem. You don't know who the father is. That father side of Christianity is very important. And some of you hold on to that because you didn't have a good earthly father. And... I digress. Number five, victim mentality. You adopt the Lord of my life mentality that consistently takes the reins from God when you feel he's doing an insufficient job. In other words, God, you know what? I, I messed up so many times. I don't blame you. You didn't want to. I'll, I'll deal with this one. I got it. 
because you're the victim every time. That right there will that will stunt your your personal growth so much. Number six, infantilization. Infantilization. When you become so infantile in your recognition of God as a father, you dumb down, you bring down yourself so low that you're like, God, you're the father. You're the only that can do right. I can never be used by you. Never be used by you. Never be used by you. I'm just a child. You walk on milk. You never get anything more than that. Every day of your life, you could never get meat because you just live in this constant state of or infantilization and you just constantly stay there in this milk world and you never get fed deep things because you never felt you're worthy. You're like, God, you're God. God, you're Father. Yes, you realize all that. And you're like, wow, that's great. At least you get to know who the Father is. They, they know who the Father is. Yeah, but they never get off the ground. They could walk, but they still crawl. You follow? They'll never grow. Not because they can't, but because they won't. Not because they can't, but because they won't even try. And that right there, no matter where you are in your, in your Christianity, there are people that 10 years, 10 years in the faith, 15 years in the faith, I tell them, open up to Matthew. They're still trying to look somewhere near Isaiah. They don't know. Because they live this constant state of milk. They never dived into the word themselves. You, you follow? Okay. Number seven, intimidation. Authority. Authority makes you feel fearful and clam up and you desire to lash out before they get you. Because you've been hurt by someone in leadership or something happened where someone did something that you're thinking to yourself, anytime someone comes to me and tells me what to do, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. You've been hurt by someone and now all of a sudden you lash out before they can get you because you feel like everyone's after you. That right there is, again, as part of, that's also kind of a victim mentality. You always think someone's after you. Guess what? You're not that important. Somebody's like, that's not what you just told me a minute ago. <laughs> but you follow what I'm saying? Like the whole world does not revolve around you for a moment. I know this is hard to get. Yeah. But guess what? Not every leader is after you. Yeah. They're not, not everybody's trying to hurt you. Not everybody's trying to harm you. But you think they are because you were hurt by that one leader. And now you remember what little Johnny did at seventh grade. 40 years later, he took my pencil. Well, Johnny took my pencil. I hated that Johnny. He sat in front of me and he would say things. and Oh, he stood behind me and he kicked my chair. Angry because somebody hurt you a long time ago. You can see their face. You see their name. You know their. How many of you know names of people in elementary school because they, they said and did things and you're like, I still remember. Yeah. And you know their first and last name. That's how angry you are. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you won't admit it. You're like, I don't want to raise my hand. I refuse. Martyrs, oh no, number eight, low self-esteem. You will kill good things while embracing your own mentality that the good never comes your way. Your self-esteem is so low, you won't reject. You reject because you're so good at being low that that's comfortable to you, and you never want to get out of that. Number nine, a martyr spirit. 
You'll sacrifice joy, peace, and happiness because you think in your mind, as far as you're concerned, no one else will go through what you went through. So you develop a false messiah matrix of some sort where, you know what, I'm just going to be the martyr. It's never going to come to me. So I'm just going to live in this state of lack of peace or pain or mistrust. And last but not least, exhaustion. When working for love instead of from love has turned you into a rundown spiritual prostitute of your former self. Oh my goodness, he said prostitute. <laughs> Get your stuff, guys. We're leaving right now. What kind of church is this? No, but it's true. It's true when you realize you're you, you working for love instead of working from love. Because when you work from love, you realize who you are and what he's done for you. But you don't work to love, like to get love. There's nothing, look at me, there's nothing you could do to make God love you more. I need you to really understand that. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more. So you're working from love. That's the difference. And now we move forward from that. And so one verse, uh, one, one, one more verse I want to kind of read to you. Uh, actually, it's a couple of verses, but Romans 8, I think we have it on the screen. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Listen closely. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is a, it's, a, it's the word Abba actually means like daddy. It's an intimate side of father. And so we look at that, and by that, we know God intimately as our father. Then in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? God is looking for you to adopt the sonship of your faith and realizing he wants to adopt you. And there's a power in that adoption because the children that I have, I didn't get to choose them. They came as they came. When you're adopted, you're picked. And there's a power in understanding that you were picked by God, even though you yourself were lost in your sin, broken in your shame. God says, I know exactly how you are, what you are, and where you've been, but I love you anyway. Come, you're my son. Come, you're my daughter. You've been adopted. He picked you, and that is special. Amen? He picked you out of a crowd of God knows what. He picked you because he loves you today. Bow your heads all across this room. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that when we are operating in a room like this among believers, that we would be people that operate and understand that we are adopted by you. And that there is a spirit of adoption available to each of us. And I pray today for every person at the sound of my voice that they would hear from heaven that you love them. As our prayer partners come forward here this morning, I want to ask you a question. When you see 
things going on in your life like this. Some of you, you may look at these 10 traits I just gave you, and you may say, man, there's one of them or two of them or three of them, maybe more. Maybe there's more than that. But this morning, maybe you're wrestling with some of these things. I'm asking you today, if you're in this place and you deal with titles, approval, affirmation, victim mentality, low self-esteem and exhaustion, you say, these are just a few of the things. Maybe you have adopted this orphan spirit that is not of God. It is not a... a it is not a spirit like a demonic thing that comes over you. and It's just a mentality that you've accepted. And that's not okay. It will stunt your growth in Christ. And God wants you to re release that to him today. So if that's you, if you're here this morning you're saying, I, I want to be released from that. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now and say, that's me. I have been dealing with some of these things. I, sometimes I forget who I am. Sometimes I forget whose I am because I am in him. And I'm a believer. You may be a believer, but you may still wrestle with this. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now and say, that's me. I wrestle with this. Come on. All across this room. All across this room. Anybody saying, you know what? That's me. I wrestle with this. Thank you, brother. Anybody else saying, that's me. That's me. I'm wrestling with this. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. 30 seconds and I'm going to pray. If you are in any one of these categories and you don't you have a you have trouble celebrating people's accomplishments because you want to you're just constantly feeling like you need to be the one that's accepted uh, you fill emotional voids with with things and and money and, and and power instead of personal time with the father maybe you just you have trouble loving yourself and understanding your calling if that's you that maybe you have this orphan spirit kind of trying to attach itself to you. And, and that's not of God. God wants you set free. He wants you free. If you stood up and you want prayer, I'm going to encourage you to slide up into the front here. Let somebody pray with you right now. Come on. If you stood up, you're saying, I want somebody to pray with me about this. Come, 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 come. If you're seated and you still want to come, come, come. We're going to pray. Just a moment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person at the sound of my voice. Would you just allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Come on, if you're at your seat right now and you're saying, you know what, God? I'm wrestling with this. I don't even want to stand up. I had somebody came, came to me right after the first service this morning and said, I should have stood up. Don't, don't walk away in regret. Don't walk away feeling like I should have stood up. I should have went forward. I should have asked for prayer. Don't feel like that. Don't be that. Regret is a horrible thing. It'll eat away at you. This is your chance to break this. Enough is enough. If you're not coming forward, that's fine. Everyone stand to your feet if you can. If you're available and able to stand, come stand, stand for just a moment. Just stand right where you are. And here's what I want. If you're saying, you know what, that's not, I'm not really wrestling with this. There's a bit of insecurity somewhere in every one of us. Every one of us. Would you be willing this morning to lift up your hands all across this room, all across this room. The leaders, lay people, every person, just lift up your hands if you feel comfortable doing this. Just lift up your hands and say, God, say this with me. Say, God, I give myself to you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every bit of insecurity that would try to enter 
the mind of these men and women, boys and girls. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move in power, releasing and showing them revelation of themselves, revelation of the things that are going on in their lives, the things that they accept when they believe a lie. They empower that liar to, to do the things that, that, that they, they themselves cannot understand. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you allow them to see the power of knowing the Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Let me say this before I hand this microphone over. If you're in this room, I need you to know something. When I was seven years old, I got news that my father passed away. They found him in his apartment with alcohol beside his body. And he drunk himself to literally death. And part of my testimony is that I realized that from that point on, I was always looking for somebody to be that father figure to me. And so I struggled with that orphan spirit most of my childhood. Feeling abandoned. Feeling like no one's going to be there for me. Until I met the father. The father. And I realized that, man, my earthly father was flawed. But my heavenly father is perfect. He knows exactly what I need, when I need it. And if you're in the room, you say, my biological father was he was a complete loss. Like I did not know him. I don't ever want to know him. And you, and you identify that with the Heavenly Father. Can I tell you something? You don't have to. He loves you. And he cares for you. And in the same way that we ourselves often find um, hope in the things of this world. And then they leave us hanging. We can put our hope in the Father. He'll never leave us hanging. Can I encourage you? No matter what your past is. Your past is your resume. But you can never tell someone's past by their resume. Um, you can never tell someone's future by their resume, right? It's just where I've been. So don't ever think that God doesn't have a plan for you just because someone has a resume on you. Because God is taking you places that the resume can't tell. Only God can. Let the sonship that's found in God be what you live for. Amen? Amen.